0: Welcome to the In and Around Pleasant Hill podcast with Alex Kodadad, a successful real estate business owner and a lifelong resident of the East Bay, who received a Hometown Hero Award for his Facebook group, In and Around Pleasant Hill Food and Drinks, saving local restaurants during the pandemic. His new podcast will provide inspiring success stories and educational takeaways from local business owners and community leaders, helping listeners get from where they are to where they want to be.
1: Hope everybody's doing well. Welcome to episode number three of Ant and Around Pleasant Hill podcast with Alex Codedad. In this episode, I will be interviewing Fatomars Moinzai with Cross Country Mortgage. Fatomars, how you doing?
0: Good, Alex. How are you? Thanks for having me on.
1: I hope I pronounce your, I should know how to pronounce your last name. Can you, uh, uh, uh how do you pronounce your last name?
0: Moin Zie. Between your name and my name, it's an alphabet soup, so no one can ever get it right. It's perfect. and <laughs> vowels flying at you in every direction. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So uh, as always, do me a favor and subscribe and let your friends know about my new podcast. I hope that this podcast is an inspiration and an educational journey for all of you by me interviewing local business owners, and community leaders about their success story. So Fatima, let's dive right into it. Let's hear about your story. Kind of give us, you know, what, you know, about your background, you know, um, and and we just want to hear that in in detail a little bit, if you can, please.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm currently in the mortgage business. I've been doing mortgages for 17 years since 2004. So, You know, I I got into it uh, a couple of years before the financial crisis. Um, Before that, uh, I guess I can go backwards from there. So, uh, you know, before that, I I was I've always been self-employed, you know, all my life. Um, I've had jobs here and there, obviously, in college and high school and stuff. But for the most part, I've been a student of sales all my life. Uh, I love sales and by sales, I don't mean, you know, used car sales, trying to trick somebody into doing something, but really figuring out what's the value proposition and bringing value to somebody, um, bridging, you know, what they're looking for with what we can deliver, uh, on our side. And, you know, I started door-to-door sales when I was about 10 years old, uh, doing greeting cards for points, trying to get a skateboard. And then I, I had a newspaper route uh a lot of that was trying to get new people to subscribe um you know move from there I, I was i was always doing something you know in the summers i would try to do little ventures and stuff with my friend whether it was painting addresses on sidewalks for people for five bucks of spray paint or whatever um and then in college I, I had a couple of ventures where i had local magazines and and publications that i was working on with friends of mine my dad you know, we, we, I was born in San Jose. We moved to Holland for a few years, then Iran. Uh, I went to first grade there, moved back here. My dad's always, you know, he studied physics, but he's, he's been entrepreneurial for most of his life. Uh, He had a business in Iran, restarted from nothing in in Oregon when we moved there and then restarted from nothing again in San Diego uh, there. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all been self made. And I was fortunate enough after, you know, I, I, I got out of college in 1992, started my own business there. Um, he helped me a lot. Actually, uh, I was an import export company in San Diego doing action sports. When you was- say
1: when you said he helped you, you're talking about your dad?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it was more, it wasn't financial help. It was more, you know, so he, he had been in the import export business himself for, you know, 20 years or something. And, and I took a backpack trip on my summer after college and, and going around Europe, all of a sudden the, you know, people just, we were seeing the clothes I was wearing from San Diego and they'd heard I was from California. And at that time in the early nineties, surfwear, and apparel and things were really hot in Europe and Japan, Quicksilver and Rusty, and you know, different brands like that. And I just started collecting business cards from shop owners. And because I walked into a, a store in, in southern France, you know, and I was looking around there and, and the t-shirts were you know 50 bucks. And these were t-shirts that I could get at Kmart for like eight dollars or something back in San Diego. And so I asked them, I said, what's the deal here? He's like, can you get me T-shirts? And I was like, yeah. I was thinking I could just buy them and sell them to him for, you know, $20 or something. I came back, well, learned to find out that between shipping and taxes and everything else, you got to basically get a T-shirt for $2 to sell it for $50 in, in Europe. And But it, it sparked an idea. And, uh, you know, for the rest of my trip, I was not only backpacking, but I was collecting business cards and came back to San Diego, the action sports Uh, trade show where everybody brings their wares happened to be in San Diego about two weeks after I got back and I went down there with my dad quickly put together a business card and made a company and you know I signed up about six or seven companies and represented them in Europe and did some trade shows over there and and you know from that you know without getting too much into the nitty-gritty of it. I, I, was, I went to UCSD for college, and one of the big things they have at UCSD is a supercomputer center. Uh, this is pre-internet, and um, I would go there and do research because there was a, a bulletin board service where it was just text, you know, no web or anything like that, but you could log on to this terminal, and if you were a surf shop in Switzerland and you wanted Quicksilver, you know, even though you're landlocked, everybody wanted this, this stuff, you'd go to the U.S. embassy, and you'd fill out a little form with the uh, commerce department and then it would appear on the bulletin board so you could search what people wanted from sugar to chicken to t-shirts to snowboards to whatever so you'd put in search terms i'd get all these leads and i'd go back and start faxing and calling people and stuff and um you know managed to do some trade shows and got some sales but one of the days i went to the supercomputer center I noticed they had this little Macintosh terminal in the corner and with a www sign over it. And I went to check it out and it was, I was like, wow, this is uh, you know, pictures and text all in, all in the same thing. You know, it was right about when Netscape was just, you know, launching their first version of a browser. And so my biggest cost at that time was DHLing, you know, uh, DHLing catalogs out to the world. And so I figured if I could scan these pictures and put them on. So I taught myself HTML, made a little website, you know, talked to somebody. And then the guy that was hosting uh, my website turned me on to a couple of clients who they liked what we had created. And and I was self-taught HTML. And they, they said, can you make us a website? And I said, sure. And, you know, one thing led to that, that, this lady was really great, influential in my life. And she she was a big, big, you know, hotshot in San Diego. And next thing you know, she had me speaking at the San Diego Direct Marketing Association in front of like, you know, 200 people about the web and what's coming. And all of a sudden, I started to make 10 times more doing websites for people than, than exporting t-shirts. So I did what, both for a while. And what year was this? It's about 1995 or six, I'd okay. say. Okay, so you've
1: already had graduated
0: college. Yeah. Well, and when okay. when, I, when I registered fmz.com, that's my initials. There were about ten thousand domains on Earth, and uh, I was in the right place at the right time. But I didn't do the right things, apparently, because I'm not a <laughs> billionaire. But but um, but it was great, you know, for about ten years or so. Then I did that web marketing consulting. I had a lot of big clients. Um, you know, it was all the same way I've, I've always sold. It was all referral, word of mouth, you know, supported by some good branding and working hard, um, you know, bootstrapped the whole way. Uh, clients were IBM, Lotus, Cisco, Sybase, uh, Gillette, Waterhouse, Ernst & Young. So there were a lot of big companies that were trying to all of a sudden transform to this world of web. And I did that for about 10 years, but because I'd fallen in, I'm not a programmer I don't love computer programming and sitting and you know doing all that so I had teams that I was managing that were doing that and I was handling the sales component of it but you know I, I, it wasn't my you know making websites for people just wasn't my big thing and um, so I, I sold that book of business in about you know 02 or so and um, was starting a new company with a friend of mine when my wife you know, she's a dental hygienist and she got pregnant with our second child and we weren't fully funded yet. So I was thinking I got to do something to make money. I was actually looking at real estate and my cousin was in the mortgage business and I ended up, you know, she said, you got to come check it out. It sounded like a nightmare to me. I'm like loans. What am I going to take? Like fill out paperwork at, at a bank. I mean, it sounded like horrible, like death. But I went in, and sure enough, it was dynamic. There were products. It was the pace was great. You know, um, I, I liked so much about it. I called my friend. I said, "Hey, this is my new career. I, I love it. I think I'm gonna crush it here." And that was 2004, and you know, been doing been doing that ever since.
1: And you know, you had about a good couple of years of run, and then obviously we had the crash in 2008. Yeah. So tell me about that i mean like you, you know you got into it and it's and that there's that little secret sauce like a lot of folks you know they you know since i was a kid i've you know always you know try to be entrepreneur also too at 10 years old did something similar to you but yeah. instead of selling cards i was selling newspapers oakland tribune and i've always had it inside of me but you i really believe you have to be passionate about what you do if and and I know some people, and I know there are people out there that are not passionate about what they do, but they, they still make a ton of money. But just for me personally, I really have to enjoy. So it seems like in 2004, you finally found something that you were in love with. And do you think maybe the reason, you know, you said you were at the right place at the right time, but maybe you just didn't do the right thing. Do you think maybe because your heart just wasn't in it? What, what, what your first yeah,
0: I, I think I think that's part of it. I think I also was immature. I think that looking back now, I was working hard, but I wasn't working smart, you know. And um, I was um, what's the best way to say it? I wasn't building an enterprise. I was just servicing accounts, right? Yeah. And you don't know what you don't know until you look back and you realize yeah. it. But I think at that time, um, I had. I've always been able to sell. I've always, you know, been able to um, communicate well with people and explain to them the value proposition that we bring to the table. I delivered on what we promised. But it, the the you're right. The you know the fact that I wasn't into finding out what's the latest JavaScript. You know what's what's Oracle doing. You know can we create Oracle database? That wasn't my thing. And I tried, you know, I was reading all the right things and stuff, but, and I had a lot of ideas, but it was, you know, it it was, it was too early. And when I got into mortgage, I, I liked it because it was, first of all, I thought I could really help people. And I think, you know, dealing with consumers is great. I was after 10 years of doing business to business sales, which is fine, but it's different when you're doing business to consumer. There's a lot on the line. You really get to know people. I like relationships. I like, people I like engaging with them and so this really scratched the itch and it's you know the the thing about mortgage you know the first guy that interviewed me the I went in for a job interview at this mortgage company where my cousin worked after I was helping her for about two or three months just seeing if I if I liked it and and I decided I want to do this so I went and at that time we got a DRE license it was before the financial crisis and NMLS and stuff so got my license and walked in. And one thing I did was I wore a suit every day and nobody else did, but it was just my thing. And I I walked in with my briefcase and my suit. I had my resume for what I perceived to be a job interview. And he didn't ask me one thing about me. He told me that, um, you know, the, the the mortgage is not something you go to school for. You know, there's no majors in mortgage or anything like that. He said, we're all a bunch of losers here that didn't make it at something else. So we ended up in the mortgage business. And he said, if you're in this, he said, if you're in this business six months from now, I'll be shocked. That'll be, the heat. so I took that as a challenge. And um, I immediately started reaching out, you know, referrals, the only way I've ever worked. And I, I became... I became really intense about it. You know, not only did I have to feed people at home, you know, my, we'd had our second baby and, and so that's a huge source of inspiration. As you know, you know, you gotta put a roof over your family's head, but um, I liked what I was doing. So it seemed easy. I was putting in a lot of hours and, and reaching out to people and, you know, I, I break a, I break this business up into three segments, right? The first is getting the word out. People have to know that you exist and what you do, right? So that when they need them, whatever your service is, they they think of you. So that's component one. And you could do that with, um, you know, whatever, happy hours, door knocking, sending out postcards, whatever your thing is. You got to be, whatever your thing is, just do that with other people, right? So you feel comfortable and natural. The second part is actually doing the loan and knowing the guidelines and getting the loan done and getting that executed. And the third, which is really important a lot of people don't do, is everybody who closed is a potential referral so, source. So keeping in touch with that path so you don't have to go back to square one every time. So mining and, and maintaining and providing value to the people that you worked with so that they can send you their family, friends, and coworkers. And most of when I got into the business, most of what I did was one, phase one. Because phase two was so easy, it was dumb. All you had to do was run a credit report and I consulted people. We talked about payments and affordability and things like that, but getting the actual loan done, if it didn't work at you know one place, it would work at another for the same interest rate and everybody was doing exceptions. If you didn't have all the right paper in, they would just say, it's okay, we'll fund the loan. And getting that part done was was not that, that difficult. All of a sudden, two major things happened for me one is i i was introduced to who i call he's one of my you know guys i really look up to just a lone guru uh this guy came to work at our company sat in the office next to me and i saw a completely different way to do the business you know and to actually execute at the same exact time the financial crisis hits and all those options just disappeared overnight. And you couldn't do a loan. And um, the only loan you could do was FHA, Fannie, Freddie, and you had to get good because there was no exceptions. There was no, you know, you had to do it perfect the first time. There was no plan B. And this guy was a guideline guru. And a lot of people in my business were kicking and screaming, crying about underwriting conditions. I can't believe they're asking for this. And that's, that's, which is useless, right? So, I became all of a sudden I went from phase one of the business to a hundred percent phase two. This is when it actually became a career after I was in it for four years, because I studied guidelines. I was reading and making sure everything was correct. I was talking to underwriters about what do you need? How should this be? And they were receptive to it. And 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 this guy helped me a lot and, and you know, became a complete number two guy doing the actual loan. And i my business exploded from there when when a lot of people left the business they were quitting Um,
1: and who's this this guy you keep you know this gentleman that you looked up to who is this i don't want to
0: give his name because everybody's going to go to him for loans i'm just kidding no his name's eric and he's uh he's a guy that um i'm still really good friends with him today and he's 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 great and he um he still teaches me to this day. You know, I go to him with questions and and he, you know, he's just, he's, I wouldn't structure it the way he does because in addition to having an encyclopedic knowledge of loans, he's a major, major control guy on his files. And I'm trying to delegate more and create, you know, a support system around me. But, um, but he does a tremendous amount of business. He's fantastic. And uh, yeah, I learned a lot from him there. And uh, yeah, I was going to say that in terms of like advice and things like that, that was a key moment for me because one of the things that I'd seen a lot of people do all my life is try a bunch of different stuff. And as soon as it got hard, bail out. And I had that opportunity, you know, I, I, I almost went back to join my partner back in technology. What he, what he and I had kind of conceived of in O2 was starting to take some steam and but I decided to double down and stick with it, and it all—I swear, Alex—it seemed hopeless. I mean, there was a six-nine month period where we were living on credit card. We couldn't do a loan, you know, and I didn't have the book of business to really have tremendous volume. And and um, we I remember, literally-
1: I remember those days where for right? us, for a year we didn't sell. We didn't do one real estate transaction. Believe me, I know. I I remember those days. I was
0: living on credit cards. I was, you know, my parents loaned me some money. You know, we owned a house. I had two young kids. It was right when my kids were turning five and six, going to private school. The expenses were tripling. I'm like, I can't afford private school. What am I doing? Like, it's like, so it was really stressful and it was, it would have been easy to quit, but I stuck with it. And a year later, everything popped. You know, the Fed got involved, rates went down, refinances started, I became really good at loans, realtors started trusting me with their business, and it all kind of went from there. And uh, I, I had the best, you know, years of, you know, in terms of income, uh, up to that point in my life. And so it, it, w- it was just a mat. So many times, I think, success is right on the other side of when it's darkest. You know, it's right on the other side of when you feel the most hopeless, right? Because that's when everybody else quits. But if you can just kind of punch through, it's not a stone wall. It might just be paper. they just a little more nudge and boom, it, it pops for you.
1: You know, they made a great book about that, Who Moved My Cheese? I'm sure you've, you've read that book. Uh, but no, I haven't actually. It's a great book. Put that book. on my list. Yeah, Who who Moved My Cheese? It's about. It's a great book about... You know, right before you're about to give up, like even me in 2008, my mom was diagnosed with cancer um, and my life was already upside down. My business was pretty much done. And and I and something just told me to take I had about one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars in line of credit on my property. And I was just like, I'm going to take this money out. And I took it out. And two months later, Wells Fargo froze all lines. Froze of credit. Yeah. And me, I had one hundred seventy five and my friend had like one sixty. And for the next five years, we made millions just by buying and flipping. we were buying houses and Antioch for $60,000. That's how I was able to make my living. And I had to because I knew real estate was it for me. I did exactly what you did. Double down. I doubled down on it and, and, I, and I did that for many, many years. So going back to you, you said something about which I like a lot. You know, coming from the technology world, you created websites, you did all that. So I'm assuming you were probably one of the first people with the whole digital marketing stuff too, correct?
0: Yeah, that that was really, really surprising to me. One of the first things in 2004, when I got into mortgage, I came from a world of email and stepped into a world of faxes. I was shocked at how backwards <laughs> and slow, and I've come to realize why, you know, because Number one, it's a legacy, it's it's a moving business, it's a transactional business, and you can't shut it down to implement a whole new technology, right? So it's hard. It's, it's, it's a challenging thing to implement a new system. So they're slow to move. There's a compliance issues up uh, the crazy, right? There's all kinds of regulations, compliance, and major concerns about security, right? So the biggest thing in mortgage is security. When you look at somebody's loan application, we have their name, address, birth date, social security number, all their credit card account numbers, all their bank account numbers, all in three pages, right? It's a major it's it's a it's the it's the golden thing for people who want to do identity theft. So, security is a big big deal. So, you know, I came in I'm like, why can't people just do it, you know, online application and stuff? Well, because without without ironclad security. I mean, at that time, I don't even think banks, you couldn't even do online checking or anything yet, you know, in like 2002, three, four and stuff. So, so it was, it was very backwards, but I was always trying to leverage technology as best I could. And when tech, so, so when technology caught up to the mortgage business in about 2000, nine ten after the financial it was a pause it was an opportunity for everyone to kind of redo everything especially with dodd frank new regulations new disclosures i mean the, the reset button was forced upon the industry i was very quick to adopt a lot of technology where a lot of my peers were struggling with it and that helped me a lot at that point to kind of accelerate my business for sure
1: yeah 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 so were you were you able to use that same digital uh, marketing for sales. Like you were talking about the three different stages, the marketing, really understanding, kind of becoming what they call a a specialist, you know, uh, Michael Gerber, he wrote a book, E-Myth. And, and it talks about the, you know, the, the entrepreneur, the managerial, and also the, at the technician. But it seemed to me like your, your friend, your mentor, Eric, he kind of really got you to dive into and really understand the product, correct?
0: hundred percent, but also the systems. Uh, so I was relying when he, when he joined the company, I was relying on um, other people at the company to do a lot of the things that he was doing himself and which was big. So Chase had this um, an online portal called Zippy, uh, where you could punch, punch in a bunch of stuff and it would give you back findings and let you know if you have a loan or not. I would have to give my documents to somebody else, a processor or someone have, they would then log into Zippy. They would do the run for me and they'd come back and say, no. And I'd say, well, why not? Well, I'm not sure. Well, can you go try to see what if we had more assets? What if they got a give, see, and then that whole process and what Eric was doing in about 15 minutes was taking me a day and a half. Right. So he showed me, he's like, no, you get your own login. You'd go in and, and, That was challenging for a lot of people. Me coming from technology, I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. Nobody told me this before. So that and just getting access, knowing where to go to get guidelines, how to read them, how to search them, you know, all that stuff was, was really critical. And so when we switched then to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac catching up with their automated underwriting systems and everything, then yeah, for sure. Database management, something nobody knew about. A lot of people had note cards with their clients' names on them, right? That's right. I came from the world of database. I created it. I, I managed it. You know, when did someone close? Having little reports, I created my own little access database. And then, you know, CRMs kind of caught up and we were able to, to really leverage that and do a lot of stuff there. But you know, even even transactionally leveraging technology. I was the only one who was using the automated updates from uh, the system that was the, that we got, the Encompass system, because nobody else could figure it out. It was it was just too much of a challenge for them. I started sharing this with other client, with other loan officers at the company. Where, when something happens in the file, automatically updates go out to, to various people, right, to let let them know that that what's happening, so they don't have to keep calling you and say, hey, am I in underwriting yet? What's happening? So so proactive outbound updates and, and leveraging technology to actually do the loan really increase the service level uh, for my clients, for sure.
1: So it seems like what you did is you went pretty much in 2008, nine, when things had slowed down a little bit, you went from working in your business to kind of working on your business, for right? Sure. Like really Understanding, building the process procedures and, and taking it to the next level and not just looking, you know, there was a great book uh, uh, written um, by Chris Smith called conversion code. Uh, talks about the marketer, the scheduler, the closer. And obviously, you know, like, you know, people see me do podcasts, people see me with the Facebook group. But, you know, those are things that I want to do for my community. But it's also an exposure for me, right? It's yeah. like, but then it, there's also, I need to understand my product. Not only do I need to understand it, but I have to be able to educate that to my own agents, to my team members. And that's why, like, when I see people that are always telling me, my God, like, where do you get the time to do all this? Well, that's the, that's why we have a team. Like, you know, I have a team on, even after, you know, after we finish doing this podcast, I have a listing appointment. I'm going to go, right with my co-listing agent. It's like building teams and really working on the business. And 2020, I know it was a blessing year for you and for me, but it was also a reset for me to really even spend more time working on my my business. So 2010, you're doing well. So I see that at two was it 2014 through 17 you were like in the top. You had won a lot of awards. You want to talk about that?
0: Yeah. So so you know, post financial crisis, I I continued to grow my business with with a lot of purchase business and. you know by by 14 uh you know I was doing over 100 million a year in in loans which is a lot and a lot. It's, it puts me like in the top 100 or 200 or whatever you know nationally in this rankings and stuff but um what i was really getting a kick out of was what i was referencing before i was i was teaching a lot of my uh, fellow loan officers you know about some of the systems I was using and, and how to just get loan, loans through and, and, and all that. And their business was starting to grow. I was coaching them on real estate engagement on, you know, with the value that we bring to, to realtors and communication and, and things like that. Um, and their business started to grow. And so I, I, you know, I'd been at the same company that the ownership knew me. They'd asked me to be the national sales manager. The position was vacant at the time. I thought about it for a long time and I decided to take it. And, um, you know, managing loan officers, what attracted me to being in the loan business was that you can be entrepreneurial, right? you're your own boss, your own time manager. So managing a couple of hundred people who feel like they're entrepreneurs is incredibly challenging. So <laughs> from, from and I know you probably feel the same about some of your, your agents maybe where, know, a guy would come to me and he'd say, "I can't get, I, I, I can't, I can't grow my business." I said, "Well, let's take a look at your week. What are you doing on a weekly basis?" Well, if I if I tell you these five things to do and you do these every week, your your business will grow. Check in a month later, "Ah, I'm not doing any of those things. It's like, you know, you have to want it and you have to do it, but. So that, that was interesting. The, um, the The thing that was really, really eye-opening for me, like I said, you don't go to mortgage university. You kind of just jump into it and build your own business. I had been in my bubble for 10 years and traveling the country, recruiting other branches, visiting other loan officers, helping other loan officers, opened my eyes to a million things that I had not been doing in my business that I thought were really cool. And um, after three years of this, I started to get the fire back for, you know, I want to go and apply some of these things that I'm seeing. I'm I'm trying to teach everybody else all these techniques and stuff, but um, I decided, so I I told them that, you know, by the end of 17, I'm going to go back to my own book of business, which had shrunk now to maybe, you know, 10 million a year a year. Right. So, but it was a good, cause it, it wasn't like trying to change a tire on a car that's moving. I was able to come back, reset, reimagine the whole business with the, with 10 years of experience and start fresh. And I did that in, in 2018 and rapidly just kind of built the, the thing back up to where, you know, my team and I were doing about 25, 30 million a month now. Wow. So we're doing triple what I ever did um you know in my best years before this this venture and that sales management not only showed me what was happening on the front end i learned the entire mortgage business i learned secondary marketing what you do with a loan after it closes operations underwriting closing docs relationship with investors all the this soup to nuts it gave me a tremendous kind of global view of the, of the mortgage business, which I can apply now on the front end much better, you know, to service my clients better. Wow.
1: That is so cool. So, so then 2018, you get back into it yourself, but then yeah. obviously you have a team, how many team members do you have with you right now?
0: So we're up to 11 now and it's, um, I'm trying something new. This has been the vision. And I'm trying, I've hired just now this last week, a new position I've never had before is two client service specialists. They're both licensed loan officers. They work for me. They're going to work my loans, but they're going to handhold my clients from start to finish. Because one of the things that's happened is I hit capacity. You know, we've got 112 active loans right now in my name and all those questions filter through me and it's too much. So I'm not able to get to everybody in a timely enough fashion to to really achieve the service levels that are demanded of me and I demand of myself. So I've hired two, these two guys are going to get assigned loans. I'm still here. I'm still going to talk to clients. I'm still going to be the, you know, the person doing everything, but because they're licensed loan officers, they know everything about loans. They can talk interest rate and they can also give updates to realtors. They can give updates to the clients. They're going to be really bird-dogging these files as they go through. So nothing gets missed. And I'm, I'm excited about this. I think this is going to be a big transformative, you know, couple of months in my business here.
1: Yeah. I, it's been challenging for me also too, you know, we do about 25, 25 million this year we're we're, we're on track to hit 30 million. And yeah. And I'm okay with that. I don't, you know. Um, obviously, you know, I don't. I could do way more. I can go hire five more agents because my kids right. are small, and I want to spend time with my family. So I'm, I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm very happy where I am right now. But the same thing too. It's like when when we go on a listing appointment, people are hiring me, and yet right. I'm taking somebody else there with me. So I gotta let them know that look, I'm still here. I'm not leaving this. This is my co-listing agent, or this is my buyer's agent, but I'm here. I am going to make sure that everything goes smooth. So it's a little bit challenging, but it's, it's one of those things like, you know, you, you just got to do the best because you, like you said, there's a capacity. You're going to get to a certain point, you know, like one people always say, like, you know, what do you want to do? I want to make a lot of money that, it's too vague. Okay. You want to make a lot of money, but what are you willing to give up to make that all that money? Like right right now you're doing so well for yourself. You're doing hundred million a year, but there's a capacity. How many places could you be at one time, right? Now you need to have a team. Now you need to make sure that those folks, you know, whoever that's hired you to for purchase or refinance that you're able to service them too. So it's, we have to be very mindful about that. So my my next thing to you is that you, we, we, we talked about this on one of our meetings and and it actually it's it's it makes me think about it all the time is this whole biohacking. Right. It's really? like we talked about that. So so for those folks that are thinking about getting in whatever industry. Right. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're an entrepreneur. I don't care if you're Uber driver or whatever. We all have stress. There is no such thing as no stress like. For you, Fatima, when you're having stress or you're having a bad day, you've given me advice on biohacking, and I'm very familiar. But for our listeners listening to this for the first time, tell us about your technique, about the whole biohacking. How did you even come up with it? Who did you learn from it?
0: Yeah, so I've been a student of sales, like I said, all my life. I've been to seminars. I've been to, I read books. I I listen to podcasts, all this different stuff. This um, this is no secret. This is something that Tony Robbins does at the beginning of his seminars. And I went to one in Las Vegas. It was a mortgage conference and he came out. And we're at the conference all day. You're walking the trade show floor. You're listening to speakers all day and, and he pretty much had it. I was borderline about to say, let's just get out of here. You know, I don't want to I don't want to sit through another one of these. He comes out, clapping his hands, makes everybody stand up, clap their hands, makes you do something goofy, right, with your hands, makes you high five the person next to you. The next thing I know, I'm energized, right? And he he explained it, and it it's worked for me. Is that if you're feeling good naturally, your brain is releasing certain chemicals, right, endorphins, ser- serotonin, all these different things. So. There is a way that you can physically, like when you're not feeling good, get yourself into a body position and jump up and down, do something goofy, you know, act like a little kid, stand up straight with your shoulders back and look at the sky and just smile for 30 seconds. And you, you trigger those same chemical releases that happen when you naturally feel good. And then you've kind of hacked the system that way is that you've, You've eliminated some stress. You've created good feelings in your body. Instead of all the negative things that are that are flowing out, right, the, the glands and chemicals and all the fight-or-flight reaction that happens when we get stressed and what happens to us when when it tenses our body, you've reversed that. And now you can think more clearly, right? Now you can engage better. And I started doing this on, um, on sales calls when I'd be going to uh, – present in front of a real estate office or something like that. I would just play something in the car. And then the physical action of clapping your hands together and stuff like that triggers this and you become kind of on fire as it were. Right. And you can go in better. The the other, the other thing that I learned is that when I'm heading to a sales call, when I'm going to actually go to a sales call, I, I have a couple of choices. You can listen to music on the way there. You can do different things. But what I found is if I listen to a sales podcast, it kind of opens that file cabinet in my brain of that category and that department and thinking in that way. So that when you walk in and you do your presentation, you're a little bit more in zone you know, with what you're doing. And so I try to prep for what I'm doing by doing a little bit of listening around that type of stuff right so um, it's just little things like that that because the more the, the industry is stressful you know every, everything is under a time crunch everything is very detail oriented everything is very you know you got to get everything exactly right and That's there's right. a lot of line people feel stressed they exude it they and you can't take that on so right. you know I'm kind I'm kind of the heart surgeon of the transaction and I can't freak out because something's going wrong right because you you, you just have to be able to think clearly and, and process it so absolutely
1: absolutely yeah. this 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 podcast this interview has been so interesting i mean time is <laughs> by, by. We're, we're very limited just a quick couple minutes um you know right now uh you know in the future when someone's listening to this podcast it might not relate but for now you know we know that the market is really really hot just yeah. a Or two minutes really quickly for those folks right now that are trying to compete with someone that's going all cash. And let's say they have to go FHA or they have to go with maybe five or 10%. Do you have any advice for those buyers out there right now trying to buy their home?
0: It's tough. I mean, the, the the it's really, really tough. What I would say is start early with a lender, get fully pre-approved, fully underwritten. Don't hold back and say, okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna engage you until I see the house that I like because by then it's too late. If we can get fully underwritten, fully approved, so that the only thing we have to close is the purchase contract and the appraisal, we can close much more quickly. We can give your realtors the advantage of shaving maybe a week off of that pre-approval closing timeframe, where we're saying, you know, instead of 30 days, we're saying 21 days, you know, and that that makes a big difference. And letting the seller know that you're fully underwritten, fully approved is is a big is a big difference. So start early with a lender. Um, you know i really defer to the agents when it comes to this because work with a great realtor it, it's it's the it's the complete game changer complete the the communication on on deals that have been successful in the last two or 3 months when it's been really competitive it's the realtor communicating with the listing agent getting an idea of where things are what's the deal pre some people are getting pre-inspections so they can waive their inspection. Like these kinds of strategies are so crucial versus just working with someone who's not going to engage on a on a full-time basis. So a lot of the guys, a lot of the you know, people who work for you have been great to work. We've done a lot of deals together. We've gotten into contract in this hot market a lot of times with, you know, not huge down payments and stuff, which is unheard of. And it's because your agents are great. You know and they, they really engage they're aggressive they talk to the listing agents and they get an idea of what's it going to take to win this house and, and, and we go from there but that's a, that's a huge factor.
1: And you and you've done a great job. So really quickly, your company tell us about your again your name or your company and where you're located and if somebody wants to reach you, how can they reach you?
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm the I'm the branch manager of the Berkeley office of uh, cross country mortgage. Cross country is a national company. We lend in all 50 states, we do about 50 billion a year. Great company to work for, great technology, a lot of great products. We sell direct to Fannie and Freddie. So from a loan product standpoint, it's fantastic. Um, you can you can either call me 510-254-4697 or you know, you can see it on my on the screen there. You can just go to fmzteam.com, T E A M uh, dot com, and um, that'll give you all all of our contact info right
1: there. Well, final I really appreciate you. I appreciate My pleasure,
0: Alex. Thank you.
1: Yeah, so uh, guys, do me a favor and watch our future episodes. Make sure you're listening in and subscribing, and even sharing with someone you think that might be benefit for, benefit from this um, episode. And I hope to inspire as many people as possible. Thank you guys for tuning in. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye.